Welcome to Still Dead from Chipperish Media. I'm researcher and crown jewel of the underground jet set, Dr. Kelly Jones. And I'm story expert and El Diablo Robotico, Lonnie Diane Rich. And we're here today to talk about Angel, Season 5, Episodes 5 and 6, Life of the Party, and the cautionary tale of Numero Cinco, both of which are skippers. Look at yourselves. You're wound tighter than Martha Stewart's swatch, so let's raise the stakes. In Dead Man Something Blue, I mean, in Life of the Party, Lauren has his sleep removed so that he can work more in the entertainment division, and what could possibly go wrong? As the staff enjoys the annual Halloween party, Lauren's dissociated empathic powers shoot outward, and whatever he tells people to do, they do. He tells Angel and Eve to have sex, so they have sex. He tells Gunn to mark his territory, so Gunn starts peeing on everything. He tells Fred and Wesley to get drunk, so they get super ass drunk. Eventually, even a three sheets to the wind, Fred and Wesley can't help but notice that they're very drunk, even though they didn't actually drink very much. And they stumble around Wolfram and Hart and figure it all out. But not before Lauren's dissociated, hulky green alter ego starts tearing the place apart. They return Lauren's sleep to him, Lauren passes out, and the Lauren Hulk disappears into confetti, and the day is saved. Life of the Party aired on October 29th, 2003. It was directed by Bill L. Norton and written by Ben Edlin. All right. So, Dr. Kelly Jones, perfect happiness scale for life of the party with Stake This at Zero and Lost Your Soul at Six. Where are you with this one? So, I gave this a four, but probably not for very good story reasons. <laughs> um, I love a Lorne-centric episode. Yeah. Um, and I really, really, really wish Wolfram and Hart could remove my sleep without all the chaos and monster side effects because <laughs> right. think of all the reading time I would have. Oh, my God. Oh, I love it. But, yeah, this episode reminds me so much of Buffy's season four, Something Blue with oh, Willow's yeah. true spell. But Willow mm-hmm. wore it better. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. But I'm glad we get to see all the work Lauren does and and shine some light on how underappreciated and stressed out he is. Mm-hmm. And I like the mirror Lauren and the Hulk Lauren and positive cheerleading spike is freaking delightful. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, life of the party is a skipper because it doesn't move the main storyline forward much, but I enjoyed it and I'd watch it again. Yeah, I mean, I give it a three, you know, mm-hmm. Dead Man's Something Blue reminds me a lot of Dead Man's <laughs> Tabula Rasa, also known as Spin the Bottle from season four. And while the concept <laughs> is fun and everything, it was done better on the other show. And these concepts are just more suited to a Buffy environment than an Angel environment. These two shows share a universe, but they are very different worlds. And while Angel can absolutely be funny in its own way, it is grimier and noirier and more philosophical and just darker than Buffy. Angel's at its best when when it's all, if nothing we do matters, then all that matters is what we do. This kind of Buffy-esque retread doesn't utilize the show's strengths, and it kind of puts a lampshade on its weaknesses. So Angel is I Will Remember You, and Buffy is Tabula Rasa. So know what you are, show, and be that thing. But all of that said, you know, it's still just a fun episode of the show and so I enjoy it but it, it also is a little bit disappointing because it's just it doesn't feel like Angel it feels wedged in and it's also a borrowed concept that they did elsewhere and did better elsewhere so yeah I don't know I'm a little disappointed by it yeah yeah I know I can totally see that too um, I think I just get so tickled by the things that tickle me oh no I and, enjoy and a lot of one it. more thing I'm like Wolfram and Hart 
can remove sleep. Like yes. they, they, they just drop these amazing Wolfram and Hart nuggets and all these, you know, studies and labs and all the secret stuff. And I'm like, I just that can I just want all of that all the right. time. Right. <laughs> right. No, it is. It's, I mean, it's a pretty cool kind of thing. I have questions about whether or not Lauren would actually do it, but we'll go ahead and get to that a little bit later. Mm-hmm. My moments of perfect happiness in this episode, though, even though I only gave it a three, I do have some moments of perfect happiness. Actually, you know, quite a few of them. Um, friend Wesley. I know, I know, I know, I know. I know Wesley's a big goddamn problem and I don't care. I ship it, I ship it, I ship it. I love these two together. I've always loved these two together. I cannot help myself. I know I'm probably wrong, people. So many people are going to at me about this. I don't care. I love it. I love the two of them together. Um, I love them drunk together. I love bad Wesley dancing. Whatever this episode's <laughs> faults might be, it is infinitely gifable. Um, so it's just so incredibly cute. And even though like the whole Fred and Wesley thing, you know, she's constantly stumbling she's got her arms around his neck that sweet thing where she says I think we should be better friends than we are and he says I've really wanted that for a long time and it's all funny and then it gets ruined and I'll bring that up in the stake this part but up until then I really enjoy it and I enjoy them being smart and figuring things out even while they're drunk so I thought that was a lot of fun the drunk research was really cute um Mm -hmm. and I love spell drunk Fred when she's like trying to get the demon or whatever guy to dance with her and she's like that's right keep walking you walk alone you walk alone It was really she's funny. So fantastic. She's, she's so, so great. I just I love Fred. I love I love Fred generally. I think that a lot of times she's underutilized. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm really enjoying her lately, like the end of season four when she was the one to resolve all the Jasmine stuff. Not that anybody remembers, but whatever. Um <laughs> And this season where she's running the science division and she's yelling at her people, work the damn problem. Like, I just, I love this Fred. I love Mm -hmm. her in charge of everything. I love her confident. I love her strong. All of that stuff I think is fantastic. And I love Wesley. I miss, I miss Wesley's darkness. Mm -hmm. Like, I miss, I miss the little scar on his neck. Although I imagine that the... Uh, makeup people are probably happy not to have to like match that up to pictures every week um you know like I miss all of this stuff and I miss the you know like when I think about what's been taken from his story by the removal of of Connor if it always gives me just a little bit of a sense of grief although I still like we still he's still you know scruffy Mm-hmm. So apparently something, you know, obviously happened. He went dark in some way, just not in the way that we know he went dark, I guess. Um, but also not knowing what his history is, not knowing where he's coming from, not knowing if he ever kissed Fred, you know, yeah. like all of that stuff just like haunts me in the back of my brain. I want to know what they think happened. I want to know what their story is without mm-hmm. Connor, what yeah. they think happened. Do they remember Billy? Like, yeah. I, I have so many questions about I mean, Billy was was before Connor. So I imagine they remember that. Like everything before Connor, I imagine they would remember. But then like when Darla came back pregnant, is that where it did? Did 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 he ever leave them? Did he ever fire them? Did they ever go off on their own? Did Wesley ever get shot in the gut? Did any of this stuff happen? Like I'm just 
confused yeah. by the whole thing. So without being able to understand Fred and Wesley's history now, because we don't know what was erased or what was replaced by something similar but different. I don't know. So, um, but anyway, I really enjoy the two of them together. I always enjoy the two of them together. Um, and I know there's a problem. I understand. Everybody, you're right. You're right. You're right. Everybody who thinks that Wesley is bad, yes, you're right. But you're he's right, going to take right. away my bucket. Right. I know. And I just love him so much. Um, I also really enjoyed Harmony. Harmony wasn't in it very much. Um, but I just, I love her as an element in the show. And I think that she, she is the humorous element that fits in really well, even in the Angel universe. Like she mm-hmm. is just one of those kind of universal parts that can just go anywhere and be Harmony and be awesome. Um, so I love her whole thing. Morale around here stinks. Everybody thinks you suck. <laughs> They're all out there sweating through their Matsudas worrying that you're going to ax them or ax them. Yeah, I love her. I love her dancing yeah. on the dance floor all by herself. All by herself she, and she not Karen. Boogieing. Yeah, not she Karen. It's She's so great. great. She's great. Um, I also really enjoyed Spike's positivity. You know, mm-hmm. I thought that he was a lot of fun, although it did feel like a flat one note thing to give spike you know just like oh look spike's positive and so we're having him say happy things but it didn't really do anything it didn't really go anywhere um but i did enjoy it though like for what it was it was it was weird to see spike smiling and happy it felt Mm -hmm. weird but i liked it it was fun (laughs) but also i mean one of the things though that kind of threw me off about it is that this is the one guy he's been through this before this is not spike's first rodeo and having somebody make a wild suggestion and it affects his existence i mean this guy was in something blue like he has had this experience before so it seems kind of weird to me that he wouldn't notice and that he wouldn't call it out you mm-hmm. know yeah that seems well, it, it made me wonder like so in something blue, you know, he proposes to Buffy, but he was already kind of having the feels for Buffy. And I'm like, maybe Spike has a secret motivation coach in his heart that just yeah. needs to be let out. Aww, I like it. <laughs> and that reminds me, Lonnie. Uh-huh. This episode of Still Dead is brought to you by Spike's Positivity Pep Talks.com. Our favorite Blondie Bears curated collection of chipper affirmations is now available for subscription. When you trip over your own feet, Spike will lift your spirit. What a fantastic entrance! (laughs) Read your NaNoWriMo draft and Spike will cheer you on. That may be the best chapter ever written. Whether you misinterpret a prophecy, accidentally curse your friends, or hulk out after too many drinks at the office party, Spike's sound bites will keep your self-esteem as bright and shiny as his platinum locks. Go to SpikesPositivityPepTalks.com and use the code BUSYBROODING to get your discount today. Or instead, you could take the $3 you might spend on Spike's Positivity Pep Talks and give it directly to Chipperish Media so we can keep making the great podcast you love. Visit patreon.com slash chipperish to find out more. And hey, we really like your desk. It's no (laughs) wonder the entire fourth floor has a crush on you. (laughs) Aw, I love it. (laughs) (laughs) I just want the little app. You know, yes. then I can push and Spike will just say something sweet. And Spike, <laughs> see, I want the app where Spike does not say sweet things. Oh, <laughs> I like oh. that Spike. 
<laughs> I like that spike and I like Wesley. I wasn't thinking about you when you were here. There's just, I don't know. Clearly, <laughs> clearly stuff I need to take to my therapist. And, you know, I have to say, like, originally I didn't really have Lorne in the um, moments of perfect happiness mm-hmm. because I, I'm disappointed by this. But overall, like, I really like Lorne. Um, I really like him in this episode. You know, I think that we finally at least had a Lorne centric episode, even if it didn't move anything with his character at all. Um, But he was kind of adorable. And uh, from my understanding, what I understand is that you really enjoyed Lorne. Oh, I did. Oh, my God. I think all of my moments of perfect happiness other than Happy Spike were Lorne. Right. Mm -hmm. So from the very beginning, when he's on the phone and he's pitching this new idea for Grapes of Wrath and Space. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, wait, wait, is that the elevator pitch for Firefly? Like, <laughs> right. Uh-huh. Yes. A little bit, a um, little bit. You know, and him being all, have your assistant call my assistant and mm-hmm. <laughs> singing, don't leave me this way, oh, you know, to himself yeah. in the mirror. And then they repeat mm-hmm. that song at the party. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. I just love it. I love Lauren's take on it's not about good and evil. It's about party. Right. <laughs> I, just, I just love him so much. But the the when he's got Angel in the car and mm-hmm. they're going to the Archduke's, you know, place. Yeah. And he's like, look, I'm not a physicist. I'm not a scholar. I'm not mm-hmm. the muscle. But I'm yeah. on your team. And yeah. this is something I can do to help. And I was just, oh, God. Yeah. I love him. I you know? know. He's so great. He's so great. And when he's all asleep at the end and he's like, it's hard being the host of the party. And I'm like, yes, it is, baby. It's so hard. It brings us back to his original, you know, introduction as the host. Yeah. 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 I did. I love it. I I just I love Lorne. So I'm going to enjoy anything where he's front and center. Yeah. No, he's so cute. He's so Mm -hmm. fun. And I love that moment, too, where he comes in to see Angel and Angel's like, I'm brooding. And Lorne's like, you're watching hockey. And Angel says, yeah. But my team is losing. <laughs> I'm busy. I'm brooding. And like nobody was even planning on coming yeah. to the party. You know, they don't understand the PR. They don't understand how right. important it is. They don't understand mm-hmm. everything Lauren is doing. Um, yeah. And I just, yeah, I, I really felt for him. And I just, I, I want more Lauren um, mm-hmm. in my life, period. Yeah. He's pretty fantastic. I mm-hmm. love it. I love it. And I actually did enjoy something from Eve, believe it oh. or not, as wow. much as I don't like Eve. There was this one moment where she she says, Angel, it's not like this is the first time I've had sex under a mystical influence. I went to UC Santa Cruz. <laughs> Yeah, it's, a a good line. Line. it's a cute line. It's a cute line. It was a good a, line. Not a fan of Eve, but I did enjoy that. Um, but there were some things in here that I had to stake. Uh, mm-hmm. One of them being humiliation humor, which I absolutely hate whenever it shows up. You often see things like humiliation humor. Um, and, and a lot of t- and a lot of times I find them in like a lot of romantic comedies, you know, mm-hmm. like the, we have this humiliation of the um, of the heroine often. Yep. Like I, I remember Bridesmaids where everybody has spoilers. Sorry. Uh, Bridesmaids where everybody has diarrhea in the middle of the road, yeah. you know, like yeah. that kind of thing. Two weeks um, notice. Having two weeks to jump notice. around to find that. Yeah. I hate, yes. I hate, I hated that hate in two it. weeks notice. I hate yep. when we have to humiliate our characters to, to find humor with them. So um, gun peeing all over the office, marking yeah. his territory. Uh, absolutely hated that. And, um, and it didn't do anything for gun at all. You know, it mm-hmm. was just making him do something humiliating in this episode. I didn't care for it. Well, and they could have really used it because what mm-hmm. Lauren said to him was stake 
out yes. in your territory. And if they mm-hmm. had been like, gun was going to stake. Yeah. Angel. Yeah. They yeah. could have done something real with that. That would have been great. Yeah. That would have been absolutely over, great. I hated yeah. that. Yeah. And if that had been the thing that Angel was doing instead of fucking Eve. Oh, my <laughs> God, what the fuck is Angel? The Captain Kirk of grimy Los Angeles? I'm beginning to think it was legit in David Boreanaz's contract that he had to kiss everyone. Well, I put in my notes, I said, gee, it took five whole episodes for even an Angel to hook up. And and I was like, okay, who all has he kissed? He kissed Fred, he kissed Cordy, he kissed Lila, he kissed Gwen, now he's kissed Mm -hmm. Eve. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 And yeah. Nina is clearly being set up for that. Like, I don't think that there's a woman on the show that he hasn't had some kind of. He kissed Rebecca. What was it? Right. They were. Didn't he kiss her or did she gave him the happiness and he turned into Angelus? Oh, I and think, that one in I season think maybe. one. I yeah. The only the not. only woman I could think of who he had interaction with and he didn't kiss was Anne. Mm-hmm. Right. Because Anne, Anne. Anne has no time for Angel's bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. And and uh, and she. Right? Yes. Yeah. You well, know, but that wasn't a recurring. Was the, I'm thinking. Yeah, a, that's yeah, true. And, but there was all that like sexy, yeah. hot. Oh, and thank God he did stuff. not kiss Kate. Thank oh, God. God. He did not oh, kiss Kate. God. But you know they were setting that up. Like the thing oh, is, it just yeah. it drives me crazy how they like have Angel hook up with everybody, and it feels really gross. I mm-hmm. mean, and I know this is under a mystical influence, but let's you know the mystical influence was written by somebody who deliberately did this, and we've been doing this a lot, and it's really really annoying. Not nearly as annoying as Knox. Yeah. Oh, who cares? I don't care. Like, I love this actor. I love Jonathan Woodward. I think that he is charming as fuck. But oh my God, like, I don't care. Like, Fred and Wesley are clearly hot for each other. Knox is just there to be a spanner in the works for that, you know? Um, And it drives me crazy because, like, she was into it when Wesley kissed her last season, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Then she found out about him and Lila and apparently got grossed out. And then that was, like, it. Except none of that happened. Because Wesley didn't take Connor and didn't go dark and didn't get kicked out and didn't sleep with Lila and doesn't have a signed dollar bill in his his wallet that says different. So like what, what, what is even happening here? So like Knox as a, um, you know, as this like very constructed, manufactured, contrived spanner in the works for Fred and Wesley drives Mm -hmm. me crazy. Like I, you know, the thing is like a lot of people really hate love triangles all with good reason. I enjoy a well-constructed love triangle where you've got both people that are really good, solid options. And it's really difficult to make that choice. Like I can see that, but this is just, this dude is just there. To be, yeah. you know, and, and so Fred is drunk and talking to Wesley about Knox. Like Fred knows. Fred's not stupid. She knows how Wesley feels about her, you know. And also Wesley, instead of sitting there just pining over Fred, put your freaking hat in the ring like a man. Tell yeah. her how you feel and let her make a goddamn decision, you know. I yeah, know. I've, I've watched ahead a couple episodes prepping notes and there is. Wesley Lila comment that I like circled five times. Oh. I was like, I can't wait to talk about this with Lonnie. So, oh, awesome! Just, All right. just laying some 
future. Okay, happy so we're going to find out a little bit about what history we know about and what a history we don't know about. But a right now, bit. it's it's so unclear yeah. and it drives me crazy. Yep. Um, and the other thing, like while I enjoy Lorne and I love Andy Hallett and all of that, like I love his performance. I think his performance is fantastic and the lines and everything. What's driving me crazy is that Lorne's role is being seriously diminished, you know, mm-hmm. and it's been, they've been diminishing him for a while. Like one of the things is that people sing and he can tell who they are except for the last I don't know four or five times we've had people do that they've gotten past him mm-hmm. you know so like even the thing that he's supposed to be there to do we haven't been given him the capability and the competence to do it and so they've stuck him in entertainment which of course is what he would love doing but it doesn't really help with the help the helpless fight the good fight thing which is the whole core of what Angel the series is about so Lauren is kind of shuffled off to the side and I'm like okay you know uh, that's what this episode could have been about you know yeah. instead of him just getting like it could have been about him wanting back in wanting to be part of the team he does say that stuff to angels so we sort of address it but we don't do anything with it yeah um yeah and i and find I, that really disappointing yeah and i felt so bad for him because you know being a diplomat mm-hmm. is difficult yeah. and lauren does it beautifully and so much of, of the things in that role that are hard for him and that hurt him get brushed aside. Like yeah. that horrible demon in the Pylean jacket. Ugh. And Lauren's like, oh, you, it was made in Pylea? And he's like, uh-huh. no. And he rubs it and he's like, anybody you know? And I'm like, oh, my oh, God. Oh, God. I mean, that's horrifying. You know? Yeah. And it just gets brushed off as if it's, mm-hmm. I don't know, supposed to be funny. Right. Um, like the guy yeah. with the human face, the demon with the human yes. face. Yes. And like, yeah, I hope that's yeah. latex. I mean, whatever. And I'm like, oh my God, no, that is terrible. Yeah. Yeah. So I yeah, I do. There's so much to Lorne and we just mm-hmm. don't see enough of it. Yeah, no, it's really, it's it's not great. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and move on into research mode. And mostly I just have like this one question, like why would Lorne ever let Wolferman Hart remove his sleep? Um, he knows himself as an empath demon. Like Wesley does all this research and figures out all this stuff about empath demons. But Lorne lived among empath demons. He is an empath demon. Like this is kind of his thing. You know, um, he should know how dangerous it would be to remove the sleep. And Lauren is always the voice of reason. Now, I actually kind of like him doing that because he's desperately looking to to have his place, you Mm -hmm. know. Um, but he's, it's not about that. It's about, he doesn't have enough time to do all the stuff that he's doing with the entertainment division, which is not about helping the helpless or fighting the good fight. And if he had done it in person, like a desperate pursuit to have a role again within the team, I could absolutely see him doing that. And I would have loved that. But in this context, just so he can do more contracts with demon entertainers, like, I don't understand it. And he has to know how dangerous it is. Yeah, I, I don't know if he knew how dangerous it was. I think Wolfram and Hart is really good about presenting oh, right. solutions and minimizing. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and this was their way because we're kind of seeing how they're chipping away at each person. Mm-hmm. Um, like with Gunn getting the, you know, all of the legal implants. And yeah. now with Lorne to be like, okay, you know, you can have more energy, focus, time, 
Mm-hmm. Um, and and the beast that it unleashed, yeah. I mean, that mm-hmm. was a very Wolfram and Hart thing to do. Yeah. Um, but I, I understand it because when you're, when so much of your work is unseen, like mm-hmm. in the very beginning, um, Angel killed that Thrax, Thrax's demon Mm-hmm. And Lauren turns around to his assistant and he's like, okay, cancel the Thraxus invitation. Um, you know, he's keeping his finger on the pulse of so many things that nobody else sees mm-hmm. or understands. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, I can see how that pressure is building up in him to be like, this is my part of the ship to steer and I have to do it alone and no one else really, no one else knows how important this is, but I do. So, like, mm-hmm. that pressure... Um, I mean, if I was in grad school and somebody had said, hey, girl, small part of your soul, no sleep, I would be like, sign me up. Um, So I I can't I really do understand it. Uh But I do wish we had seen more of the why, like Mm -hmm. why he had decided to do it. Um, But it feels very much to me like the the legal knowledge is for gun. Right. That kind of. But the thing is, like, you can see where that was really super tempting for gun. Yeah. You know, having your sleep removed feels super dangerous. And when he's got his own vision of himself in the mirror talking to him, Lauren is not the kind of person to, like, ignore stuff like that. Like, he's got that wisdom. And we Mm -hmm. kind of take that away from him. Yeah. Because of the way that we want to write this episode. Um, But the other thing I was thinking about is, like, how would you angel this concept up? Right. You know, I mean, the important thing when fixing a story is not to forget what the core values of the story are. And the thing is, it's okay for Angel to have a funny episode, but it needs to be funny and deeply connected to the core values of the of the series itself, you know, which I think that this one fails to do. It's just kind of funny. I mean, Buffy, you can have kind of a one off funny episode because it's just got a lighter tone in general. Um, So I was trying to think about like, how could this concept have been executed within the angel universe in a way that addresses the show's core strengths, but without sacrificing some of the fun, you know, from this episode. And I think, you know, keeping the mystical mystical effects on Lorne, I think that that's really good. Um, But I think that also we should make this episode actually about Lorne and make it and give Lorne an arc within the episode, um, which I really think that they failed to do. So, you know, I think that the mystical effects, I I don't know about the removing of the sleep. I'm on the fence about that. But Mm -hmm. I think that like, something that should have affected him should be Angel taking away those memories like Lauren having a such a strong emotional connection like he's still feeling all the emotions from the Connor experience and yet not knowing where to put them and that that's throwing him off his mystical game and then maybe he goes to Wolfram and Hart and says put me back on my game because he wants to be part of the team right and he's been off of his game because he hasn't been catching things and all that kind of stuff like I would really probably do it more from that angle um but that he's deeply feeling all the effects of that memory hole so he feels the emotions but he can't pinpoint where they're coming from what the source is um so he lets Wolfram and Hart do something to him maybe it is you know something related to the sleep or something like that Mm -hmm. um but that's what gives him this like you know exacerbated empath effect on people so you can still have Wesley and Fred you know getting drunk and losing their inhibitions I think all that stuff is great but it should be about them like wanting to there should be everybody can connecting deeply to the emotions that they've maybe been sublimating and not feeling. And that's so what he's doing is he's opening up everybody's emotions rather than telling them that they should
should do a thing and they just magically do a thing, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think that the tweak here would be like with Wesley and Fred would be less, you know, in the, in the big movements of the story and more in like the small movements, like, you know, um, maybe giving this a, as an opportunity to give us some idea of what they think happened in the yes. history, you know, yes. making sure that we know that Wesley still went dark and still slept with Lila and that Fred and Wesley still kissed all of that so that we still know that we've got that darkness. It's just not the darkness that we thought we had. You know, it's not the, spe- the specifics are different, you know, as far as their memory, but the movements, a lot of that stuff remains so that we still got that history. Um, and that Fred knows like the, she, there's something that she can't get past, you know, and I think it's that he slept with Lila, but I honestly don't know because whatever, the whole thing was weird. Um, you know, I like the idea of um, Gunn's new knowledge and purpose being really important to him, but the staking out your territory, like your idea is brilliant. What if he's going around this party staking vampires and then he bumps into Harmony and Harmony, let's give Harmony some intelligence. Let's have yes. Harmony be smarter than she thinks she is. And that that's the thing that Lauren connects her to and her essential nature is that she actually does have some intelligence, you know? And so here he is staking vampires, staking out his territory. And then there's Harmony, who is a vampire who outsmarts him so that he doesn't stake her. Like that could be kind of fun. And I love the idea of Gun and Harmony as a pair. You know, yeah. I think that, that would be really fun to do. Um, Angel's effect, I think, should not be with Eve, but it should be paired with Spike's positivity, you know, mm-hmm. and that you have this long running sort of, you know, hostile brotherly relationship between Angel and Spike. And then if you have the two of them accessing these emotions, you know, under these really weird circumstances, but they also have all this history together, you know. So I think if Angel were to like confide in Spike about what happened with Connor, you know, and then at the end of this episode, Spike, with all of his positivity, with all of his Brene Brown, you know, that he's the one who's like pulling everybody <laughs> together, you know, oh my that God, at the I end, love it so much. like the two of them, I mean, it wouldn't be entirely dissimilar from the moment at the end of Something Blue where Spike is like, Slayer lips, lips of Slayer. Or, you know, <laughs> Bethy was saying, Spike lips, lips of Spike, you know, and he's all grossed out. And she's all grossed out. But that Angel and Spike actually do have a connection and that Spike helps Angel kind of deal with the whole Connor stuff. So we're bringing that in and reminding the audience that this is a thing that happened and it's a real grief that Angel's dealing with, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think at the end of the episode, Lorne should solve the problem. Instead of having somebody else shoot his sleep back into him, Lorne should figure it all out, use his empathic powers, you know, to like write everything, you know, and that maybe he knows about Connor too, or that he just knows that there's something missing and he knows that Angel did it, you know, Mm. and at the end of the episode, he should be awake, he should be talking to Angel, you know, and saying, I know there's something missing, I know that you did something. But I also know that you had a good reason. And then leaving it alone or something like that. So that by the time we get to the end of this episode, we have arced Lorne back into his role within this group, which is what this episode should have been about. So it could still be funny. It could still be fun. We don't need to humiliate Gunn, you know, and we can pull all this stuff together and then give us all a little bit more context for what the hell these people think actually happened. Oh, my God, you are so freaking good at this. I'm like, yes, please. Can I watch this now? Because I want to watch this now. 
I think it would be a lot more fun. But the thing is, this needed to be about Lauren and it wasn't about Lauren. And that's yeah. where it went wrong. It was a good opportunity. And I don't even mind doing Dead Man Something Blue. Just do it in a way that fits this show rather than tries to be like a an echo of what Buffy did. Because Buffy is a different show. It's got a different tone. It's got a different history. It's got different everything. So it's just a different thing. You know, and yeah. Angel does so well when it hits those deeply resonant emotional spaces. And here we have all of this wonderful opportunity for those deeply resonant spaces. And honestly, I want Gun and Smart Harmony. I yes. love, oh, I love oh, I'm the in idea love of Gun and idea. Smart Harmony. Which, by the way, I wouldn't have come to without you talking about staking and gun staking vampires. So that was you. <laughs> that was you. Don't uh, give me all the credit. It's almost like we should be podcasting together. It's almost like we should be fixing TV shows. People who write TV shows should be coming to us and having us consult. (laughs) That would be fun. I think that's what should be happening here. We need to start a business, baby. But we'll talk about that off mic. All right. So I'm going to go ahead and brood. Life of the Party is a fun, light episode, which in the end doesn't really mean much. Angel and Eve have sex, but that's not really important. And Lauren questions his role in the team, but that doesn't really go anywhere. And Wesley and Fred have a nice night that gets ruined by Knox. Knox. <laughs> it's a bit fun. Wait. It's a fun bit of confection, but in the end, it is ultimately skippable. So let's move on to our next skipper, the cautionary tale of Numero Cinco. In the cautionary tale of Numero Cinco, an Aztec demon named Texcatl has returned on the Day of the Dead to hunt the hearts of heroes. Wolfram and Hart's masked mailman is connected to the demon. Numero Cinco was once a hero who helped the helpless with his four brothers until Texcatl killed them. Angel helps Numero Cinco remember what it means to be a champion and struggles with his own disconnection from heroism and then fights alongside Numero Cinco and the spirits of his dead brothers to defeat the demon and I just (laughs) am trying to care. (laughs) Meanwhile, Spike wants to know more about the Shanshu prophecy and by the end of the episode, Angel seems to be cautiously optimistic about the destiny it foretells. But whose destiny is it? The Shanshu could refer to any champion vampire with a soul, and now there are two. The Cautionary Tale of Numero Cinco aired on November 5th, 2003. It was written and directed by Jeffrey Bell. All right, Dr. Jones. So here we are with this episode of this television show. And I'm curious, (laughs) on the perfect happiness scale, with Stake This at Zero and Lost Your Soul at Six, where are you with this one? Okay, so I kept going back and forth between a two and a three because mm-hmm. I had to look at my notes and yeah. like try to like count out when I was asleep and when I wasn't. Um, because <laughs> that's never a good sign. No, I gave it a three, but this one just falls flat for me, mm-hmm. um, which is sad because I love Spike and Gun in yeah. this episode so much. And a demon hunting the hearts of heroes? Like, come on. That's great. I am yes. here for that. And and mm-hmm. what the hell? The devil has a robot? Like, give, give me. Give. I want. Give that to me. But every single scene with Angel and Numero Cinco was a trudge through Angel remembering what it means to be a champion. And uh-huh. the cliched, heavy-handed mess. I was like, oh, my God. This is like the worst exposition I can even imagine. Yeah. Um, Angel says at one point, tell me, 
why did you stop caring? And I said out loud to my living room, I don't know, Angel. I'm just real bored by this episode. (laughs) (laughs) But you still gave it a three. You're so generous. Well, Spike and Gun. I just can't. Like, what's good is so good. It is. It is. It's pretty good. I gave it a two. Mm -hmm. I'm so bored by this episode every time. I have watched this episode I don't even know how many times, however, however many times, because when I run through the whole show, I watch every single episode, no matter how bad it is. I never skip anything. So I've seen this episode probably maybe four times mm-hmm. at this point, and I still don't care. And I don't remember anything. And then when I watch it again, I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, <laughs> Um I also don't like the kind of mocking tone it takes towards Mexican professional wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, as a cultural artifact, I find it uh, really disappointing, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, and it, it kind of mocks that character and his, he and his brothers were heroes. But when we talk about he and his brothers, it's almost in this, oh, look how ridiculous this whole thing is. And I'm like, you know, American professional wrestling, what I'm saying is glass houses, stones, etc. <laughs> Like, <laughs> let's not mock anybody else's cultural artifacts, please. You know, um, so it like the fact that this guy wears that mask all the time that they called him number five, that it was that he didn't even have really an identity at all. Mm. Um, I, I just found it really flat and kind of dismissive. And it just the whole episode annoys me and I don't really enjoy it. No, I was trying so hard. I was like, okay, there were five of them. Is that like, that's the five-man band and Angel's team, and they're trying to do something about what Mm -mm. happens when you're the only one left. And like, I just, I kept literally, I was like, oh my God, I think I had to pause it 15 times to get through. But the stuff that I loved had nothing to do with numerous Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Because can we just talk about how great Gunn is? Gunn is great. Oh my God. I love him so much. His joy over mm-hmm. his new legal superpowers and the good work that he's doing, you know, all of that stuff he's got going on and the things he's getting Angel to sign. And like the trust fund for kids whose parents were killed by vampires. And I'm like, oh my God, trust <laughs> gun. I love yeah. you. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And he calls Spike Blondie Ghost. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and and gun and Wesley in research mode together. Yeah. You know, figuring out what that demon is after, you know, like, oh, mm-hmm. this is a purple heart. and This woman helped with this. Oh, my God, they're all heroes. I was like, yes, I keep them. And don't don't cut back to Angel and Numerous Inc. Right. Like, stay at Wolfram mm-hmm. and Hart. Um, and Gunn figuring out, you know, oh, if there was a deal, there might be a contract. And yeah, I just love that Wolfram and Hart has a record of every curse, hex, and shady supernatural <laughs> deal. <laughs> It makes me so happy. Right. Yeah. Um, no, it's good stuff. It's good it's stuff. Good. I like the gun stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we get um, two of my favorite spike lines of yeah. all times yeah. in this episode. So even though most of the episode is bad, I still have to like it. Yeah. Um, because when, you know, Spike is talking to Fred and she's like, well, you're a champion. And he, in moments, Spike mm-hmm. gets real. Yeah. And when Spike gets real... Like he, it's it's like my heart. Like I can't even stand mm-hmm. it. I love it so yeah. much. And he says, "I just stood there, let the fire come. Nothing real heroic about that." And I'm like, "Oh my God, Spike!" Yeah. I just, oh. Yeah. I am. Oh, it kills me. I know. And I love him going to Wesley for details mm-hmm. about the Shanshu prophecy. 
Um, him calling Angel tall, dark, and dreary. Yes. <laughs> it's so great. But yeah. the, the best part to me was when they were trying to figure out how to kill that demon. Mm-hmm. And Spike said, everything has an Achilles heel. I'd wager mm-hmm. it's the heart. Yeah. And they're in the yeah. lab, you know, and they've got the autopsies and the blood and all this stuff. And Fred says, do you see that in the science? And he says, no, love, in the poetry. And I'm like, yes, I will marry you. Thank you for asking. Like, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> Aww. I just love it so much. It's so ridiculous. I just, yeah. I don't know. They, they wrote it for me. It's kind of perfect. Um, and I did get a kick out of. Like some of the Angel and Wesley and Angel mm-hmm. stuff. So like yeah. the demon stabs Angel and then he looks at his heart and just kind of shakes his head in disgust. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> really? And Angel's Who like... want that dried up old thing? <laughs> I know, but Angel's so funny. He's like, clearly he's not after the heart of heroes because he he didn't he didn't want yeah. mine. And <laughs> processing these feelings of rejection with Wesley. Yes. It's so sweet. It's so sweet. And, you know, and Wesley telling Angel, hope is the only thing that will sustain you. Like, Mm -hmm. I like Wesley looking out for for Angel. Um, But when Angel says, Wes, did you ever hear that the devil built a robot? And Wesley's like, (laughs) El Diablo Robotico. Why? And Angel says, nobody ever tells me anything. Right. I'm like, where is the devil robot episode? Why is that so intriguing? I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I really liked it. Um, yeah, that's pretty cool. And I like the episode opening with Spike's interest in the prophecy and mm-hmm. ending with Angel's yeah. interest in the prophecy. Like, so, you know, that stuff I really liked. But when I was thinking about staking, I'm like, so if I just cut everything about Numero Cinco out of the episode, I like the episode a lot. Right? Exactly. And, yes, that's very true. Mm-hmm. Right? So, and I was intrigued. Like, who is this masked man? Mm-hmm. Like, why does he mm-hmm. wear a mask? And he wears it at home even when he's alone. I'm like, okay, yeah. dude, I don't really get it. But he throws Angel through his glass office wall. Mm-hmm. Like, why? Or, or, or like, <laughs> Angel just kind of takes it? I, I, uh, yeah, I, what? it's a little weird. Yeah, and and then just the whole dialogue was so heavy-handed. Mm-hmm. You know, only a fool would want to be a champion. And then at the end, I may not be a hero, but I'm not a fool. And I'm like, <laughs> why did you put the talisman in a coffee cup? Like, I'm I'm just what? so. I don't like, know what. You know. I don't and, know. We protected the weak and we helped the helpless. And I'm like, oh, my God, halfway through and I'm hashtag still bored. Like, I, just, I know. And he died a hero, but I just don't care. Um, yeah. Which is a shame because they could have done some interesting stuff with that character. But it just felt it felt like a caricature. That's what I was just going to say is that they made him into a caricature. And yeah. we didn't ever really get to know him like as a person his actual identity is number fucking five you know like right I, I just it's all he's very very flat there isn't any like real sense of who this character is or what he's dealing with and even though there is kind of a reflection between him and angel basically he's just the guy who holds the spotlight to shine it on angel you yeah. know, and on Angel's champion issues, you know. Yeah, and all um, I kept hearing yeah. in my head is, number five is alive! Like, it was just, <laughs> I'm like, 
God, give him yeah. a name. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Um, but the other thing that I just, I just have to stake is this memory spell rewritten reality nonsense. I know it's driving me crazy. It's driving me insane. It's I just know. driving me crazy. So, you know, Wesley tells Angel, your heart's not in the work. I think you've lost hope that the work has meaning. And they're, you know, talking about the prophecy. Mm-hmm. And Angel says, prophecies are nonsense. You know that. And then he mutters, the father will kill the son. And Wesley mm-hmm. says, what are you talking about? And I'm like, come on. Like, first of all, Wes is not just going to let that go. Mm-hmm. Wes is going to be curious about what Angel's talking about. And second yeah. of all, I can't even like it. Like What? How? <laughs> If you're going to rewrite reality and rewrite everybody's memories, fine. But, like, fill in the gaps for those of us who are trying to follow along. Yeah. It makes no sense. Yeah. Yeah. It makes no sense. No, it drives me crazy. It drives me crazy. All of that stuff. Because it's one thing if, like, it's one thing that they took it away, like you said. But we have no idea what they think happened. Mm-hmm. And how much did did we just lose all of that? And they think it was just a boring thing. Like, do they? How do they know what happened to Cordelia? Like, none of it makes any sense. No, it doesn't. It just does mm-hmm. not make any sense. And Angel to slip up like that, and Wesley not, especially when Wesley is tuned in. You know, he's yeah. in concerned about Angel mode. Yeah, he's gonna listen to everything Angel says. Yeah, you know, he's gonna go Google. That, yeah. <laughs> that lot, something. So I don't yeah, know. I mean, like, so, you know, like all this stuff that happened in Los Angeles, too, like the blotting out of the sun. Yeah. And Jasmine, like all like all of Los Angeles has forgotten about all of that. Or do they think that happened and it just didn't have Connor in it? Like, I don't I don't understand. And I want to yeah. know, like, what they how much is preserved. Right. So, right. yeah. Yeah, it was weird. Um, But it did, you know, I did have two research questions. Um, Mm -hmm. And the first was, how did Wolfram and Hart get Angel's blood for Gunn's pen for those contracts without Angel knowing? Because Angel doesn't know that's his blood until Gunn tells him. That's my blood? Yeah, exactly. Like, how? Like, what? How do you forget that? Yeah. You know, like somebody taking enough of your blood to fill a pen. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I, I was wondering just, about that too. That was weird. Yeah. Um, so, and then this next research question also relates back to life of the party. Mm-hmm. So if Numerosinko had worked for Wolfram and Hart for all those years, he would have been killed by the beast when the right. beast mm-hmm. wiped out the office in season four. Cause even people out sick that day were killed. So how, how is he still alive? And yeah. I mean, did he work at a different branch and transfer over at the beginning of season five? But, but, but he's along, been there, though. Right. I mean, he like, said he's he'd been, been there. centered in Los Angeles. Yeah. Right. That's where his brothers are buried. So I'm mm-hmm. like, how did he escape the beast? And then right. all those people at the Halloween party who were talking about how great last year's Halloween party was. How did they'd all be dead? Yeah. Yeah, they would. Yeah. So I'm like, Ugh. so did the beast not happened to them like how much i don't okay i can't i can't right? once i start asking these questions about what happened and what didn't happen and what's it gets so confusing and i just don't know and they're not giving us any answers so i can't even go down that road i just i have no idea yeah i know it drives me crazy so <laughs> yeah on that i'll be rude. uh the cautionary tale of numerosenko is the skipper because while it does seem to reawaken angel's interest in the shansu prophecy nothing else really happens that you have to know so yeah. <laughs> there are yeah. some good parts that are worth watching, but it is not required viewing. 
All right. So, Dr. Kelly Jones, like I need to ask, what's making you still thirsty this week? Oh, that's the same as my favorite part. And that would Mm -hmm. be Spike. All right. Well, let's move into this favorite part then. Go ahead and tell me about it. What do you love about Spike? You get the mini sides of Spike, right? Mm -hmm. You get Spike super positive. This may be the best song ever written. (laughs) And you get Spike reflective. I just stood there and let the fire come. And then you get Spike all lyrical and deep. No, love. It's in the poetry. And I'm just like, oh, my God. Yeah. I just can't even. It's so good. It's some good stuff. I Okay. Usually, you know, Spike is almost always my favorite part in everything. Mm -hmm. Like, now we've got Spike over in Still Pretty. And pretty much every week, my favorite part is whatever Spike did that week, right? (laughs) Um, And the thing is that I love Spike. But Spike is kind of underutilized, I think, in these, or he's just kind of flatly there to play this, like, flat role, like, to give everybody a hard time, but he's not really doing anything. There's not really anything going on with him. So he feels, like, retread for me. And honestly, for me, like, my favorite part was Wesley and Fred, like, up until she brings up Knox, because (laughs) Knox, you know. Um, But the Wesley and Fred stuff, I really like. And again, before you at me, I know. Okay, but I still... So I still cute. can't help it. Well, because I know, and I'm a little bit ashamed, but I just love it. Love what you love, baby. A love very smart woman told me that. I know. I always say that for everybody else, but I don't really say it for me. So anyway, yes, I, I am loving what I love, and what I love is Wesley and Fred. <laughs> Join in the discussion on Twitter. Follow me at Lonnie Diane Rich and Kelly at Dr. Kelly Jones and use the hashtag still dead. Still dead and everything Chipperish Media produces is made free and ad free by the generous patrons who support us to the tune of a dollar a month or more and make it possible for us to have our sleep removed. Visit patreon.com slash chipperish to find out more. This episode of Still Dead was brought to you by the Chipperish Media producers who support us on Patreon at the power producer level. These people are the reason why Still Dead is coming to you free and ad-free right now. So thank you to our October producers, Jonathan, Noel, Kristen, Alyssa, Alice, Erica, Shelly, Abigail, and Sarah. And this week's special message for our power producers, it's not about good and evil. It's about party. <laughs> Visit patreon.com chipperish to find out how you too can become a Still Dead producer. Other ways to show your support, write a great review on Apple Podcasts, tell your friends about the show, or bankrupt a company that dumps raw demon waste into Santa Monica Bay, banish a clan of pyro warlocks into a hell dimension, and start a foster care program for kids whose parents have been killed by vampires. And to say thanks to our rogue demon hunters who take the time to write reviews, we turn to the Prophecy Scrolls. Kelly is writing these in reverse chronological order, so post your review and you'll hear your prophecy soon. For Nation of Crumb... Did you hear that the devil built a robot? <laughs> El Diablo Robotica needs your help, dear one, to swap its bitchin' blue suit for a rockin' Halloween costume. The entertainment division has designers on call, all the props and sorcerers who can perform any glamour, so let your imagination soar. El Diablo Robotico wants to dress up as something memorable, like a vampire with a soul who's not a ghost. But beware of potential Buffy Angel crossovers where costumes possess the wearers because Wolfram and Hart wants to avoid the annual ritual sacrifice and office party murders. Happy Halloween, sugar. Enjoy All Hallows' Eve with the good, the bad, and the hideously ugly who have to dress up to be scary. 
<laughs> we will be back next time with season five, episodes seven and eight, Lineage and Destiny, both of which are watchers. Until then, it's not like this is the first time I've had sex under a mystical influence. I went to UC Santa Cruz. <laughs> <laughs>